Yeah, sick. So, I mean, I guess the first thing I would have to say is just thank you for coming over. Yeah, awesome. You know, and there's a lot of things that we could talk about. Um, and one, I wanted to talk about, because um, you, you have, because I think we met through online DSA stuff or through me talking with Franca a yeah. lot yeah, or I something. Yeah, I think Franca. Like, because I was, I was on the social media team mm-hmm. for Franca's campaign. Yes. And, and I was a text banker. Like, yeah. Yeah, because I think that's where, like, on Instagram or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm heavy into, like, that's my my expertise is, like, comms and mm-hmm. social media shenanigans. That's sick. That yeah. sounds, like, <laughs> fun until it's super stressful. Yeah, until you have too many, like, Instagram tells you you cannot add any more accounts. <laughs> Yeah, like that's I've been there before. Yeah, like it, that's the whole thing. So, can you introduce yourself? <laughs> sure. And kind of what you are and what you do and all that, and then we'll get going and get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm Ashley Esposito. I am a candidate for Baltimore City Board of Education, the first elected school board race in Baltimore City's history. Really? We're the only jurisdiction that does not have elected seats until this year, um, and we also are one of the few that does not offer compensation or. Um, have a, a student member with voting rights, but like now the student member will have expanded voting rights because we work together to like pass a bill, mm-hmm. the Votes Coalition, along with like Delegate Melissa Wells and Senator Jill Carter. What do you mean without compensation? Um, so the school board members probably put in at least 20 hours a month just to serve on the board and mm-hmm. so they do not receive any pay for that but in other jurisdictions they do in the state or in the is it is it typical for like nationally it's, or i think it's typical or? nationally because just because the the amount of hours and in our position is that you know having compensation it makes it makes it more accessible to folks like so it removes well, barriers yeah. to their participation 100 i mean you can't work a, it, it would be difficult to work a yeah. full-time job plus have a life and then also do 20 hours or if like, you're working two jobs and you're really passionate and your second job would be better served like serving your community you should have that option yeah 100 oh no no one should ever fuck with farmers i read this crazy article about how ai is like learning how to be racist it's rock and roll bitch it's pretty absurd thinking about it now all right we're done amending it amending it we're done No, that's that's so. I mean, it's not surprising, (laughs) but it's just very disappointing that Baltimore has so many archaic practices like that. That yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's like it's hard to tell like the why because I mean, if we're being like real, um, a lot of the the laws and things like with that affect like places like Baltimore City and PG County were like you know, racially motivated mm-hmm. to, to control power. No, like, 100%. I mean, we're still digging ourselves out of a hole with like redlining and foolishness. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's part of that, but also I think it's like the need of a culture shift. Cause mm-hmm. I think people are scared of what happens if you have an elected school board. I think that they're nervous about it being becoming like overly politicized, which is valid. I could see that. Yeah. I, I could see the concern. Um, Yeah. Especially, especially other areas, you know, you see like right wing folks like mm-hmm. bankrolling school board seats right now. Oh, so yeah, I'm from Hagerstown. I'm oh, okay. <laughs> very, very well aware of yeah of what a powerful conservative PTA can accomplish. And, but also, um, even in non conservative areas, like they had a sneak attack in Philly. Well, that's yeah, yeah. 
I mean, that's a whole other conversation of yeah. the, the organizational efforts of the right where that's, they know what they're doing. Yep. And that's an easy way to do it is you find places where people who aren't politically motivated, who maybe, you know, tend to view things in a more like left or progressive manner, aren't really engaged in that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then the, you know, the right wing people are coming in being like, here's this gaping vacuum we can now fill mm-hmm. instead of being weird on social media, <laughs> show up to a PTA meeting. Yes. And you know what I mean? And then that way you can fight them from within. Yeah. And I feel like progressive folks sometimes are like, they're so quick to want to like dismantle all systems that they're not seeing value in like restructuring existing Mm -hmm. mechanisms like community associations that's not sexy and fun yeah (laughs) they're like i want to be a sexy organizer like i just don't (laughs) but that but like the the post that's going to get you a lot of likes on on twitter is the one where you talk about like you know dismantling this system and going ahead and destroying this instead of you being like i'm thinking about running for you know treasury department like that might actually you know yeah or they want to just like talk about like doing Mm -hmm being organizers are talking about i cannot with theory like i mean no offense like if you like theory and stuff i'm about like getting dirty and actually doing like i don't want to sit in a room and like do study circles well and i feel you i i (laughs) well that's that's like i think the biggest dichotomy in like on the left is there are like the theory nerds who don't really do anything and (laughs) then there are the people who are actually boots on the ground but do not know any theory and I feel like there's value. I think I think the folks that are like so heavily theory is based on doing. You know what I mean? Like there wouldn't be anything to study if people hadn't done something. Oh, one hundred percent. So even the like I I do see people that are so pro theory like discrediting folks that are like me. I'm an accident, hundred percent accidental organizer. And you know when it came to like the work that I've done. It wasn't until somebody else hyped me up that other people were like, oh, snap. So you do know how to do things, even though you don't know big words. It's like, no, I don't know big words at all. Like, <laughs> Which is a huge issue because that really shouldn't matter. Like, it, 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 I don't know. It, it depends on how you look at, like, the work that the left has to do, whether that's, like, on the street or in DSA or, or, in, or in any mm-hmm. of these things where, like. And I don't, honestly, if I can be, like, frank, like, I don't think DSA is the mechanism to do Mm-mm. it. Nope. No. I had a terrible terrible experience i don't know if you've heard i haven't her. heard of what you have done or your experience we can talk about that if you yeah, want to if not yeah. we can talk about on the other side of the paywall if you want to stick around later we can do whatever you okay. want yeah yeah, yeah yeah whatever you're comfortable doing we can do that for sure i mean I've, I've said it on here like i'm like i am a communist when we talk about like politically where i mm-hmm. align myself like i'm not a socialist yeah and i'm i'm a member of dsa just to kind of like help out some of the people who i i like like franca who are part of dsa like i'll vote mm-hmm. i'll do all that stuff i think that dsa is a very good first ring on a ladder to get like people who were democrats or people who are just starting to get involved in politics Get them more acquainted with uh, more left, more progressive politics. And see, I, I have. It depends on who you are. If you're black, no. Well, I can't <laughs> like, speak. Yeah. And, and this is me. Who I've never gone to a meeting. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm a, and see, and, and I do and more of the theory stuff too. So it's like I like them as a tool to be like, talk to this person. Yeah. To get a book recommendation. And I think that's the part of the problem, like structurally with DSA, because I'm so, I'm somebody like I don't I can't help myself. Like when I go into things, one I'm not loyal. 
Like, I'm not loyal to any organization. Like, I refuse because I just feel like that's not healthy. Um, no, I mean, they dog, got, dogmatically, it's yeah. it's not at all. Like, it, it's very toxic. To- like, I'm not even I'm not even 100 percent married to any type of ideology because I, I like people too much. And mm-hmm. I and I know that, like, if we lead with labels, then we sh- we can't even have a conversation. And we keep siloing until these like little mini groups. No, where we're like for purity sure. testing. Mm-hmm. And then as a result, like, it's just a, a lot of chaos for me. Mm-hmm. So I like to talk to people that have like different opinions and stuff like that. So, yeah, so I was brought, I kind of like joined DSA because I, I I assumed like what you just described, like it's a mechanism for like a first mm-hmm. like entry into like organizing, union organizing. When I, when I recommend it to people, when I talk to people who are thinking about joining, that's my entire pitch is like, I don't do anything with them. I'm not, you yeah. know what I mean? I'll vote. Like when my friends say, Hey, I'm running for this thing. Cool. I got you. But like, if you want to get a a reading list or if you want to maybe be around people who have like a niche issue that you are very passionate about, like the eco-socialist forum, if, if, if you're, I don't know anything about it, but I know that that's better than nothing. It's like, but but, okay, here's the, what I think that's what I think, but also (laughs) our experience this past year has been, and I mean, I'm talking about me, Franca, like people from Franca's campaign, people of color. Mm Mm-hmm. Not good. Not good at all. Like, first of all... You think that's just from the Baltimore DSA no, or from DSA No, no, no. I've talked to people at other chapters nationally and talked to some national leadership. And this is a nationwide problem. Like, it was to the point that in um, Illinois, they actually voted to close the chapter. Jesus Christ, really? For a year. Because it was so toxic and it was, like, very, very apparent that white supremacy culture had infiltrated DSA. How? How so? Okay, so first of all, the Afro-So structure is problematic because that entity is almost, like, created to, like, appease people of color and not actually, um, like... Yeah, there's there's no way for us to really like build community there because mm-hmm. there's a lot of like gatekeeping and things. And so when I joined, um, first things first, I was interrogated by several people about my intentions. And then I know for what? a fact <laughs> that there were text messages sent to leadership at GBDSA about why these women of color were here. Um, what did they think you're going to get out of? I don't. No, they there were blatantly racist like, oh, remarks, yeah. and, and of course, people wanted us to do the heavy lift of proving it, which is also a problem because it's like if all of us were harmed, and I'm talking people you know, yeah, were, were literally harmed, yeah. in the worst way to the point where all of us just yeah quit completely, and then also we've connected with folks and chapters across the country that are also people of color that are validating these experiences, mm-hmm. and there is a reason why this organization is operating in predominantly, you know, affluent um, white areas, I would imagine. No, 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 not affluent white areas. They're operating in predominantly black cities, but their membership is like 90% white. Really? GBDSA is like that. I mean, I kind of figured that that, I mean, the demographic, it's not, it's like, not when you look at it, when you look at an organization and it's not representative of the community that they're supposed to serve, there's something in the structure and in the, the recruitment and the self-selecting, mm-hmm way that they're doing things that makes yeah. it that way it's not by accident oh I'm, I'm sure it's not by accident i figured that the sort of like the whiteness of dsa was just bernie bernie washing no. just just white hipsters 
flooding and you know like the ebb and flow of it's being cool it's not being cool like people yeah. who listen to chapo trap house and stuff coming in paying their dues and then just kind of like leaving when the mm-hmm. instagram pictures no, aren't like, a thing anymore we legit have been harmed and there is like Jesus. there is even people of color that i'm still friends with um that are trying to make it better for folks to come back but they're 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 not even seeing a way like to f- even even people that are allies that are like you know white folks that mm-hmm. are cool and and do recognize when, once they saw what we saw i got so many apologies no i would hope from so. people that were like i'm sorry first of all i was complicit second of all mm. i'm sorry i made you pr- try to prove yeah. that this was like really happening like that's not fair um and yeah like like to even for even some of the people that were like harmed it's like that person was you know what i mean it's like people that have like a great like great character great background brought so much value to the organization so if Mm -hmm. they are even pushed out no you know there's there's something up and and nobody's willing to have like that honest conversation yeah because i'm gonna say like i'm i'm not defending them at all i don't fuck with dsa but like i haven't heard any oh yeah of course of this from anything and i don't know if it's just because like i'm a white dude i'm also like not involved in any of that stuff like i don't go to meetings i don't talk to anyone but like well, I think that's part of the problem is that DSA on paper looks very, very powerful. They're always like, here's what our membership is. Mm-hmm. But probably like 90% of that membership is very passive like you. I don't, Where, I don't you know read what I mean? the emails. Like, like, I don't get, I don't roll yeah. up the letters. I give them yeah. the yearly thing. And and that's part of, the, that's a majority of their membership. So for the people that are actively involved on a day-to-day basis and are seeing this like an opportunity to like have power for the first time in their mm-hmm. lives and like abusing it. Ugh. It is like the perfect, they have a steady, um, steady piggy bank <laughs> from people yeah. that are monthly and annual donors. And then also, like you said, you can, you, this is like one of their biggest organizing tactics was like when we were bringing up like uplifting issues, they would text their networks and be like, Hey, here's how you're voting. And because you have a relationship with them, <laughs> you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll just go in and vote real quick, whatever. Cause you're not actively involved. I mean, that's, that's literally, yeah, yeah I, I can attest to that. That's and what that I, is a majority <laughs> of the entire membership nationwide. I mean, it makes sense now that yeah. I just zoom out. I guess I never really gave enough shits about DSA to really think critically about it. Yeah. And that that's a very lazy way to look at. It. I understand that saying <laughs> yeah. it, but like I don't know. That- yeah, it's it's crazy. Like it is one of the worst experiences <laughs> I've ever experienced. I mean, like I, it was Jesus. It was bad. And I was really hoping to like, you know, because I'm a very like environmentally mm-hmm conscious person so you know i saw these other like environmental organizations working with them and so that's kind of like where my trust came from was you know like the numbers like one the numbers and two seeing things that you're familiar with like interacting but they're Mm -hmm. still interacting with them passively so they're not even fully aware that they're complicit yeah so it's it's nuts like right now i know that the national afro social is trying to like you know they've interviewed me i can't even count how many times really and other folks yeah and just trying to like make it i was like the only way y'all structurally can make it better is if you leave <laughs> break off they from should it. i mean i don't they they should just secede honestly. yeah yeah like, because right now I mean, they're being tokenized oh 100 <laughs> percent. yeah i mean i think that even if you're not really getting deep into like the dsa structure you can kind of mm-hmm. Like because they yeah. they have no money, they have no voting power, really. Yeah. You know, it's just a, a little group that's able to say like, "Hey, you have this title. Here's your little caucus mm. where you can hang out." But also, they have like people monitoring them. You know. Come to think of it, now I think that 
the only thing I have, I have ever really had interaction wise with that group is like becoming aware that they existed, looked at like a Facebook page or something mm-hmm. for the Baltimore group. And there was like barely anyone yeah. in it or on it. And I, I was just like, oh, this is just like a small little cell. Yeah. You know? And then it's like, I would see them on like the voting things or like yeah, including just, the email stuff, but it's like not a not sustainable model. It's not there to build power. It like, seems like a bone. They're just throwing to be like, look, we're actually, yeah, you know, look, you know. look, we gave you your own space. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Ugh, God, that's gross. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to like talk like I do. People have asked me like, <laughs> even like national folks have asked me like, what could be done? I was like, honestly, burn it down <laughs> yeah that's my that's my Honestly? position like 100 percent. like if it's if it's this if it happens organically to like if it organically causes harm then something about the foundation of it is bad mm-hmm. and so like i would say like scrap it and then bring all those folks to the table because to me like it was very apparent like early on that people of color were not at the table when this thing was crafted yeah you know so mm-hmm. um yeah because you can't talk about like even like some verbiage and stuff that they use when they talk about people of color and like it's like a class reductionist type oh god situation <laughs> so i'm like yeah you just have to like start from scratch and and have a very like reflective moment before even crafting something new you I, have to own that there's harm that was i done. would imagine that in order to actually salvage anything you would have to completely detach from yeah. dsa because they are at the end of the day like pretty neoliberal mm-hmm. with a lot of their just like general tactics and the electoralism that's and I like, don't I don't think that you need a structure in my some of the yeah. greatest organizing I've seen is stuff that's like just everyday people just mm-hmm. doing good like that makes oh, yeah. me feel good yeah no for sure I, I completely I could agree with that yeah I mean I think that there is a need for structure for some things on some levels for sure um, especially depending on what you're trying to accomplish but I think like with with trying to salvage you know this this part of like dsa you know nationally or locally like it sounds like if they want to stay true to anything that would have been like the impetus behind like the mission Mm -hmm. statement you would have to just like first things first like i mean one of one of my like homies was like get rid of robert's rules (laughs) (laughs) like but it's true like that is not that is a barrier to participation for an everyday person walking in can you explain what that is so Robert's rules is like I don't even I'm trying to think of like an, an actual definition. It's a it's a way to like talk and keep order in like meetings and processes. And so people have to call things into order in the right order. And I think historic what is it from England or something? I have and it's no like, clue. <laughs> Robert's rules is a hot mess. It doesn't sound it sounds like a bunch of like they use it in Congress, I think, and I know they mm-hmm. definitely use it in some councils, and mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of foolishness. Like, yeah. like you can't like. I, I suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been in places where I've had to use it, mm-hmm. but I'm so like rusty and I'm bad at it that to me it's like apparent. Like, oh, I couldn't just be some average if I got to practice just to talk to you. That's fucked. <laughs> in like, a I, meeting, yeah, like that's just no. it's just not cool. So, Robert's rules, I feel like, is a very like class, classist thing, and it doesn't really keep order. I think if I think if you have good vibes, good vibes keep order. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely there's something to be said if they need to have an iron fist over the flow of like yeah. a, of, and, of a conversation to 
I don't know. Yeah. And and like I told somebody today, they were like, oh, so you're un, quote unquote unassociation. Do y'all use Robert's rules? I was like, never. What if you're like, yeah, that's that's the backbone of it. Oh, God. <laughs> well, then we would exclude so many of our neighbors who, oh, yeah, you know, sure. like yeah. that would be a majority of our neighborhood. Like yeah. I'm not about to hand somebody a book that was written god knows len and be like hey in order for us to have a discussion i'm gonna need you to study this like no yeah and that's that circles back to like a huge issue with the the left right now is a lot of it's based in the past because that's when all those books were written so when you expect someone to understand like marx and Engels and all this stuff like you know, like, I think, like, one of the big jokes is, like, I don't give a shit about, like, the price of grain, like, when I want to go and talk about, like, healthcare yeah. now. You know what I mean? Like, And al- also, it, di- it discredits indigenous people, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so oh, yeah. we, like, uh, we have a study group that was reading the racial contract, and, you know, part of it has direct quotes from people at the time. The the reason why they came to the conclusion that people of color were quote unquote savages, but they were actually like living in community like this, this idea that a lot of these like groups are trying to like manifest and mm-hmm. be in community and being, you know, like building these mutual aid networks and all this stuff. Indigenous folks were doing it, yeah. but it was so foreign to the folks that were like colonizing that they were like, oh, oh, hell no. Y'all need some order. Let us give you order. You need rugged <laughs> and so, individualism. And you, yeah, yeah. And so they kind of like destroyed something that was like beautiful. And, it, and to me, my takeaway, because I'm I have like a lot of ethnic Mm-hmm. back like i'm i'm a black woman obviously but like but also after running my ancestry i'm spanish mm-hmm. um navajo and what else am i my grandma's scottish so i have like two black grandparents mm-hmm. one spanish navajo grandparent and one scottish grandparent okay yeah so when i when i look at all those things and like when i'm digging into the history and all that stuff i think there's a lot of beautiful things like from indigenous culture that proved to me that we don't have to teach this stuff. We don't have to teach each other how to be in community. It is like a human instinct. Mm. We just have to trust our guts more mm-hmm. than we, but we get caught up in our head that we destroy <laughs> all those efforts. Like mm-hmm. even, even leaning into conflict. Like if, if you're not somebody that's ever leaned into conflict into the worst conflict that makes you want to implode and come out on the other side of it and realize that like, oh my gosh, that's growth. Like that feels good. There's so many like people that are terrified of conflict that I feel like we've like lost touch with like some really, really important muscles. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, when you, when you look at a lot of like indigenous history and like the history of colonization in America and also like around the world, like it's, it's interesting to see like the cyclical nature of, of, um, some sort of like organizing and then like um just like the thing where you look at like the communal efforts of like our ancestors you know whatever that means to you right Mm -hmm. and then when the colonizers come in and they sort of set everything up in this more like mechanical like uh society based on like uh like you know mercantile like stuff and and you know what i mean just like capital or or capitalism what would then become capitalism right and and it's very interesting that you then have all these people now who are like, let's get back to what we had and, and, and to and, take all this time to unlearn. Yeah. And it's just like, well, it, it just stinks because <laughs> it's like, it was, we were already doing that for the most part. Yeah. 
And then people kind of just like showed up with guns and were like, hey, um, yeah, no, you're not going to do that anymore. And see, like people are so triggered by the term like white supremacy culture. And it's like, like, I, I feel like sometimes like white people like immediately will be triggered because they're like, Ugh, are you mm-hmm. saying everything white is? But it's like white supremacy culture is like not just about white folks. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, there's a history there and everything, but it, it it's it's really like the core of what makes all of us feel icky. Yeah. Like in society and, you know, like, so, so it's really like deconstructing like all the stuff that happened during colonizing and disconnected, yeah. disconnected us from like our natural instinct. That's the way I look at it. And I, I, I agree with that 100%. Like, I think that when people mention white supremacy, like, I think a decent amount of them, especially when they're trying to present like a counter narrative, are mm-hmm. only looking at like white people being in charge but really it's like there's like the patriarchal undercurrent there's just capitalism in general like there's so much exploitation that like is just hand in hand with white supremacy because you can't really i don't think you can take colonialism like and separate that from white supremacy yeah yeah. you know and that's what i think most people would mean when they're talking about it in like a serious way and not like in an inflammatory way or like a way to like basically like get votes you know like i think that when you're actually looking at it from like an organizational standpoint it's like you're it's just the easiest way of basically saying like everything that's wrong with western society yeah to an extent yeah and it's it's interesting too because like like i said i like talking to people that are polar opposites from Mm -hmm. me like i mean yeah one of my friends who's awesome um I was telling him about like some of my experiences, like talking to neighbors and just folks that like I run into and like the, the topics that I talk about and how crazy it gets. And he's like, Oh, you're like a deep canvasser. And I was like, what is deep canvassing? What the fuck is that? Well, well I suck at normal canvassing. Like, so when you like just go to people's doors and knock and you give them a pitch one, I'm dyslexic and <laughs> I, I have like a terrible memory. So I usually choke and I can't remember the script, anything, but what I am, what I do love and what I am good at is like, peopling like mm-hmm. on a deeper level yeah and so deep canvassing to basically like describe it and i am not an expert even though i have <laughs> given a bootleg class on it <laughs> just sharing like my experience with it um it's really just being vulnerable like being like your most vulnerable and coming into a situation not being emotional like like yeah. for example there's a there's a lady that i talked to um who was like uh, like an active like right wing blogger, um, and I mean yeah, you see like the yeah. <laughs> the reaction. <laughs> I mean, I have nothing against talking to that. Per- you know what I mean? Like that yeah. would be a fun and interesting conversation. But my initial reaction would be like, Ugh. but see, but see, if you can check that like that that knee jerk like reaction and stuff, mm-hmm. and if you like I said, if you get rid of the labels and stuff, yeah, like me and her, we had a few conversations where I was like just chilling at her house with my friend and stuff and we just like really got to know each other like yeah. without that stuff like she didn't even know my party affiliation i knew hers yeah um but i've also like grown up in areas where i was surrounded by conservatives mm-hmm. so i already know the playbook so i'm not easily <laughs> yeah. triggered so um yeah like when she let her walls down a little bit you know like we we talked about like my abortions mm-hmm. and you know i also spent a year in uh, a pro-life 
or pro quote unquote pro life anti choice group mm-hmm. where they were like training kids on how to like destroy pro choice folks in debate. Jesus. And so I spent a year in there. Like with, with them right after I had two abortions. Oh my god. Or one after my first abortion. And yeah. so um yeah, like talking to those folks, I I think the problem is is that most of them adopt their points of view without ever knowing anybody like that. Mm-hmm. So they they they're easily triggered by like a boogeyman. It's easy to like throw a couple labels like abortion or um I don't know, immigrants, yeah. like, you know, things like that. Yeah, and yeah, there's, yeah. there's a reaction to it. And it, it, part of it's like media stuff, but also part of it's just them living in a bubble yeah, and not being, being scared of like the types of people they don't know. Being scared of what's different. Cause yeah. that's, you know, that's what's going to hurt you. Not the things that you know. Yeah. And literally like, I mean, she's somebody that used to protest outside of abortion clinics oh, God. and you know, she showed us her little babies and stuff that she would like hold out to people. Oof. And, you know, so I walked her through, I didn't tell her I had an abortion yet, but I had walked her through. I was like, yeah, you know, I was like pregnant last year and stuff. She's like, Oh, yay. And so, I mean, and also just like sidebar, that's like, just like a weird reaction to when someone said they're just to, to be like, yay. I don't know. I feel like that's just like a weird knee jerk reaction. Yeah. Also just to be like, well, you're also, pregnant. Well, she didn't know. Wow! The out- she didn't you know? know the outcome. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I walked her through like my pregnancy, um, receiving news that the baby was missing organs and oh, like no. all that stuff. And so I literally walked her through. I did the same thing that I, I ended up doing the same thing in the pro or I think to stop calling them pro-life, like anti-choice group. So I did the same thing there. And what ended up happening is that like the types of abortions that I've had are the most demonized because of how far along I was. Oh, but yeah. many times they don't know the why. And it's also mm-hmm. none of their business. Like they don't realize, even for me yeah. in a state where it's legal, how intrusive it is. Um, but I, I took the time, walked her through the appointments and stuff. And she's like, oh my gosh, like that's devastating. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. So the one story that's like never told about abortion is abortion being used as a form of compassion and mm-hmm. being used in a way, the same way that you would take a family member off of life support. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause mm-hmm. I, like I told her, I was like, I had zero amniotic fluid and she had a child. So she knows if you don't have any amniotic fluid, mm-hmm. like your organs are on whatever's in there oh okay so every movement i was making it was yeah brutal right so so no matter who was going to tell me to like carry to term that would have been so selfish of me to put to put the baby through that yeah and this is also where like people that are progressives need to check themselves like with abortion sometimes is that, you know, what in my case or in later term cases, they don't for wanted pregnancies, they don't want us to call them babies. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but those are the stories that need to be told too. Yeah. Like we're, I'm not going to refer like our baby had a name. Yeah. We were about to have a baby shower. And for me, that was like a very compassionate thing to do. Mm-hmm. And and also is very compassionate on the on the side of the abortion providers because like you know they set up the cremation they had oh, priests yeah we had footprints you know like so okay, they yeah. don't tell those stories yeah and so I walked her through that and she was just like crying yeah I mean that's very that's a lot you know what I mean yeah. even like 
It, with, w- it wasn't what yeah. she thought it was. No. Like, it wasn't, that type of abortion was not what she imagined it to be. And I don't know what where she's at now or what she thinks about it. And I mean, sometimes folks revert back, you know, about their opinions because mm-hmm. it's more comfortable there. Yeah. But, you know, I, th- I think that's important. I think our, like, pe- folks like us that are, like, progressives or whatever need to lean into getting uncomfortable to like help push the goalposts yeah. so that people can see like we can't just keep yelling at each other <laughs> from across the football field and yeah. be like yeah if you <laughs> like, like what is that like but if, i think if we actually like sit down and like find out what we have in common like that's where the magic is mm-hmm. like that's where real power comes from if you can if you can join forces with folks mm-hmm. in sheer numbers that are politically different because you guys at the core we have common things that we want fixed yeah 100 you know? percent. yeah we want to feel better we want to feel secure in our mm-hmm. houses and yeah be able to provide for our families and stuff and that's i don't know yeah i wish we would focus more on that <laughs> i mean i i agree with you i also wish that it was a little easier to come together but i feel like not to get nihilistic with it but it, i think that some people some sects of you know certain corners of political ideology or like religious this or that you know either hyper atheist or you know hyper religious like i think that some people are just kind of like so indoctrinated with a lot of stuff to where like it would take a whole lot of effort to get anywhere more than like agree to disagree and like let's not shoot each other yeah you know and agree to disagree is like not even a thing to me <laughs> like and i and i and i agree like i don't i don't think that that's like a good compromise there are some things yeah. that you can't agree to disagree on right yeah. like you can't agree to disagree on like the validity of like r- like racist ideology like you can't agree to disagree yeah. on like the state like controlling what you do with your body when it comes to like your pregnancy you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. i think that anything that's like practical having to do with other people like there is really no compromise. I think there is like a clear what right and wrong with that mm-hmm. personal choice stuff in your own household stuff. There's only so much that I really give a shit about when yeah. it comes to that. You know, I think that's kind of where the, that like agree and disagree stuff for me lies is basically like you and your life. I'll, here's what yeah. I think. And if that bleeds over into you, hell yeah. If not just, you know, <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think that's like the bubble mentality again, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, so if people stay in their bubbles with like folks that think like them, you know, raise their kids the same way, like the same things, then, you know, I think that's why we're, we have like those dramatic, like pass out moments, Mm -hmm. you know, where everybody's clutching their pearls, like, oh my gosh, like, like it's, that's why it's not enough for folk, for some folks to like, just let people live their best life. Mm -hmm. Because it's crazy to me with the abortion. um, Like, I mean, I've been following um the anti-choice thing for before i was even involved with Mm -hmm. like reproductive justice stuff yeah yeah like i said that group which was crazy (laughs) that sounds nuts oh it was you want me to tell you about it you want to you want to do it now or you want to do it after we talk about like the um the the school board stuff okay we can talk about school (laughs) (laughs) because kevin just got here so wait for him to come down and we can do the school board stuff but yeah but no that does sound like it is it sounds dark. Interest. It wasn't as dark as what as I think what people would believe it to be. Because if you're telling me that there's like an indoctrination camp for like young people to be able to oh, like yeah. pwn you from like, March for Life kids, yeah, yeah, that just sounds like a cousin of like a pray the gay away camp to me. Yes, 
and <laughs> um but it's like there were also there were spheres folks coming in with like common sense knowledge bombs and yeah. like dropping it on like disrupting their process mm-hmm. right yeah that's why i think it's so important for us to have like these conversations with people because they're they're operating in these very like mm-hmm tight-knit bubbles very narrow scope yeah and if you give people some common sense like i had a private conversation with one of the kids um because he he dm'd because he was like Mm -hmm. you know i'm really gonna like i'm gonna get this one (laughs) you know what i mean Uh like but after we had a conversation there was so much stuff that he had like i explained to him what an ectopic pregnancy was which blew his mind (laughs) and then he started googling more stuff and i was like yeah that's also another situation where you would need an abortion. I think that, you know, and with with a lot of the abortion stuff and like, because I, I know a lot of people from back in the day who are conservative. I have like conservative family members or, mm. you know, who they say they're, you know, socially liberal, fiscally conservative, but they're, they're not. They're like, they're Reagan people. They're yeah. Bush people, you know. And everyone that I know who isn't just like in, like will come out and be like, God doesn't want you to have an abortion. They will always use this excuse of, abortion is birth control is wrong and that's not even like and that's like such a minority of of kate and it's just like one of these things where it's just like such a frustrating like you know what i mean like it's, yeah. it's just such a like a, a very like n- like it's not it's like a straw man almost where yeah. it's like that's not what the issue is you know what i mean like and i, and I feel like that's why we're kind of here now in this day like because i i gave a speech at um um the women's march in annapolis Mm -hmm. last year um and one of the things that i said i was like we're not okay like y'all are chilling like like a lot of the elected officials and you know even people that are in our you know reproductive justice spaces are like yeah thank goodness we're in maryland and i'm like no we are not we are not okay like we are so conditioned to believe that this is normal for people like one of the things that i said in the speech is that i did not sign a consent form for politics to be in my exam room yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's the, that's it like i mean really the the ask for our side should be full privacy because mm-hmm. what since when did any other medical appointment or um medical decision for anybody else have a group of people standing in there saying uh i don't think you're qualified to make this decision for yourself this is the only one yeah. so i think that real like you know autonomy what it looks like is privacy yeah. Not reporting data about the why, because that's not even accurate. People will use the rape, um, sorry, trigger warning, like the rape thing mm-hmm. saying this, only this percentage are from rape that you know of. A lot yeah. of people that are raped do not report it at the time. Yeah. Or so, those <laughs> who are willing to report it ever, you know? Yeah, or, exactly. So you can't yeah. say, oh, oh, only this small fraction that you know of so the data is the data is just like a mechanism for like intruding people's mm-hmm. you know exam rooms yeah i mean i also i also think that a lot of the um forced birth stuff is sort of like a like slut shaming yeah Punish, it's punishment for sex you know yeah and we're, we're like from an you follow this stuff way closer than I do, I would imagine. But now you see, and some of it might even be anecdotal, like these politicians in these random counties around the country who are trying to make, you know, plan B illegal and people who are trying to make it so you can't have access to any type of contraceptive and all this stuff because, you know, number one, like it's, it's against like God's will for you to not have like, you know, the natural process where like, you know, whatever, like contraception 
you know, uh, life starts when you ejaculate. Like I've seen people posting that kind of stuff too. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I actually think that I see something different. Mm-hmm. So with a lot of these laws and stuff, people are following it and they're like, oh yeah, like it's getting banned here and stuff. And they're just trying to like keep it out of their state. I actually think that's not the game. I actually think that they're trying to bankrupt all the states that do allow it. Mm hmm. Like the organization. So so if you think about it, like the w- places where ab- abortion funds exist, where, you know, those types of appointments still exist. Yeah. You know, if they have to like absorb all the folks and all the all the coordination that's coming from all these other states, which it is a coordinated effort. Oh, yeah. It, it potentially can bankrupt a lot of the progressive groups, a lot of the folks that do agree with us on our other policy, because now they're pouring all their funds into this to absorb the policies that are happening across state lines. Yeah. So I think like I see a whole system of trying to, they know they're never going to ban it in every, every state. Oh yeah. But I think for the states that will allow it, it, there's an opportunity for them in a way to try and like bankrupt them. I never thought about it that way, but yeah, that would make sense yeah. to attempt to bleed the neighboring states dry mm-hmm. by pushing and, everyone over there. And, and also think here. about what happens to the folks trying to seek access in that their home state mm-hmm. when other people have to come to their state. Yeah. You know, you're, you're just going to be over you're going to overload the system. Yeah, you're just going to exhaust people and then yeah. it's not going to be as effective. And then and you then- can focus, you can isolate those states and send your forces there, you know, cause they don't mm-hmm. got to worry about their home state. Yeah. So now they can mobilize to states where it is still legal. And, you know, so it's, I mean, even back then, this was in 2017 when I was in that group and a lot of the things that we're seeing right now were things that they were talking about in that group specifically hmm. about the, the, the organizing effort and the um, strategy behind overturning Roe. So it was already, they are way, way ahead of us. And and I get so frustrated because I'm like trying to tell folks like, yeah, fund abortion funds. I'm a board member of an abortion fund, but also play a little bit of offense. You know, like we're punking out like in the <laughs> biggest way I've ever seen. Like we're not, we're not playing offense at all. What would like you, we're on the defense. But what, what would you say would be like a way to play offense? I think, I think offensively, what I said make it so that this data people's privacy everything is completely like that that's not the norm so knowing like people having to ask permission and like like for example even when i got an abortion like one of the pills that i needed in maryland uh for the first one like the the way they had to check it out and write down serial number numbers just to give me medication Mm-hmm. Even that, like, so process-wise, there's a lot of things that they could do that would grant privacy and allow, first of all, people that practice medicine to practice medicine. Because yeah. right now they're being told what to do by people that aren't clinical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also for patients to have full privacy in their exam rooms, just like any other procedure. Because at the end of the day, like, it is allowing it to be everybody's business makes it a polarizing issue. If everybody just chose for themselves, like, because nobody's forcing abortion on those folks. It's not like we're trying to (laughs) give them abortions, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. But for them, it's not enough to just be able to choose for themselves because, you know, this isn't, this isn't just an organizing effort from like individuals. This is like institutions, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. they make this their thing. This boosts membership, this boosts community engagement for their base. Mm -hmm. So how else do you keep like teenagers involved? You create a March for life 
and mobilize them and give them a mission. And then their parents send them to camps and send them to DC. And you know what I mean? Like there's a whole thing monster behind this thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of institutional support behind, Mm -hmm. behind what's going on right now with all the, the Roe v. Wade stuff. And it's, it's, it's crazy. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've thought for a long time that a lot of the success, uh, what looks like success that the right has when they can kind of like uh, push these issues along is because um, like progressives and people on the left care about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that are sort of like involved with being of that persuasion, right? You, you have a lot of issues that you care on a sliding scale about. Most people that I've encountered who would identify as like being on the right kind of have one thing that they are super, (laughs) super into and everything else just kind of like falls in line behind it. So you have like the crazy gun people and you have the abortion people, you know, and you have like this, uh, like it just like everything that kind of like constitutes being a conservative, like people normally join that persuasion because one of those things is like the biggest deal to them. So yeah. You know, like it when you can dedicate, you know, your entire life, five years, 10 years to being, you know, a pro-life in air quotes yeah, <laughs> activist, like, you know, and there's also like a, you know, like not to be a reductionist about it, but there's also a huge class, is- class issue there because, yeah. you know, we, we said earlier, like it's hard to be an activist and have like a job or two jobs and a family and stuff. But then if you have the money to, you know, not work and then you spend your mm-hmm. whole day organizing online like to you know do a lot of like forced birth work and you can call you know congress people and you have the money to be in these social clubs with their partners and then you get their ear you know what i mean yeah or donate to their campaign exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah. i mean it's also like a big money thing where you know and and it, it doesn't really mean anything here or there but i'm not convinced that a lot of these like um conservative celebrities are really that passionate towards a lot of these issues mm-hmm. it's just more so that they're passionate about the money that comes behind oh yeah the labeling because you know, you know what like 100 percent, especially in baltimore like the money comes from poking at the issue not offering the solution oh yeah because if they were about it if they were really about it like they would be like not just running for things on the issue, they would be offering the solution well, and they don't have those ideas and they know that like purposely they know that there's no money in that. That yeah. doesn't keep a storyline going. Well, that's the, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing with like the Democrats and like the abortion yep. stuff right now is you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, um, you know, codify Roe v. Wade and then, have that continue to be like a cudgel to force people to vote for you. Yeah. And that's with, with, um, you know, like with uh, the student loan, uh, you know, debacle that's with healthcare in general, any type of housing, really anything that the Democrats will run on to counteract the conservative narrative. Mm -hmm. They're never going to really do anything about it because that's the only way that you're. Anytime something like that happens, like people bankroll them. Yeah. Like the donations start pouring in from individual donors because they're using that fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and and honestly, like like going back to what we were talking about, like about indigenous folks and you know, just like the way I imagine things, um I think in a in a better world, we don't need politicians. We talk to each other and we have community participatory decision making 
like like with my community, mm-hmm. you know, like the way that we've done things like with the development and stuff. So it's it's actually like really simple and you don't necessarily need like a person no. to lead it or to be the point person. Like everybody is capable of giving their input and as a collective we make a decision. I mean, I definitely would support direct democracy over electoralism. Yeah. You know, I I think that electoralism is is kind of fundamentally flawed and Yeah. especially like the American version with with lobbying and everything. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a pretty dishonest practice, you know. And I've I've even struggled with it as a candidate. Yeah. Because in the past, like people have been like, "Oh, you should run for delegate. You should do this." Because I like just yeah. doing community work or mm-hmm. whatever, like testifying at the general assembly. They're like, yeah, you're really good at this. You should do this. And it's like, <laughs> but when I thought about it, I was like, nah, I don't come from money. I don't, I don't know people with money. Um, also, no, <laughs> like I don't want to, like, I don't the, like just the, for me, a campaign, especially like the shorter ones, which this one is, mm-hmm. isn't my jam. Like I said, I'm a terrible door knocker. <laughs> But if I could sit down and have like ongoing conversations and have tea mm-hmm. with folks, like yeah. that that is my jam. And and I think the like there's this um graph that I'm always sharing out and it always makes people mad. Well, some people mad that are like triggered. <laughs> but it's like it says white supremacy culture and it has these little poison bottles. Mm-hmm. They're all different things, like sense of urgency, perfectionism. Yeah. You know, it's all these, like, characteristics of white supremacy culture. And, like, I feel like a lot of the things on there are part of campaigns. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so it just, it like, a lot of it that makes me feel icky. Um, Like, because even, you know, I'm a data analyst for my day job. Mm -hmm. And I see, you know, like, I've already given people this critique, so it's not a secret. I've critiqued people like heavily about like only contacting super voters mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, super voters tend to be an older crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't, once a super voter like passes away or moves, somebody doesn't just fill that seat. You know, super voters are basically like created by design because they always get outreach. Yeah. So everybody else does not get outreach. And I think that's why our voter turnout is so low. So a lot of those folks, like we could have tons of people voting, but (laughs) they never, they would never see anybody at their door. Yeah. And I've challenged people to like do it different and Mm -hmm. they're like, we don't have time. So that sense of urgency kicks back in. So, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, how do you intend to, you know, have everybody have a seat at the table? How do you plan to do that? And, And I think the intent is for certain people to have a seat at the table. Well, yeah, always. I mean, that's sort of been the the model since day one. You know, it's is to feign this idea that everyone's being represented when really not that many Mm-mm. people are, and the system in place is to ensure that the same general group will continue yeah. for a very long time. Yeah, because even, like, voting rights, like... <sighs> like, I, I can't with voting rights. <laughs> like, my family's from, like, the deep south, and... Like, my grandma was telling me, she was like, they're trying to stop us from voting again. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, the the best thing to do would to be for everybody to, like, have easy access to vote. But I even feel like in Maryland, it's not. Like, people are reluctant to, you know. Like, it, there, there's, it, it drives me crazy that there's, like, not proof of, like, voter fraud. And people are still, like, screaming that into the void. 
Because you get an anecdotal case or you get a thing. Well, that's the... the We're we, like, okay, so 80 million votes cast or more, or like, yeah. whatever it is. It's 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 really just like the internet has kind of like destroyed human civilization because that's where like all the conspiracy theories are bred. And then there's like, with a lot of the conspiracy culture stuff, there's like the tiniest kernel of possible truth yeah. that again gets extracted like and then extrapolated by like what about isms? Yeah, you know. So it's like there's no way to prove that it hasn't happened. What's like the like the Dick Cheney thing? Like the absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence, or something like that. Where it's like oh this weird like tongue twister to basically be like just because you can't prove something like exists doesn't mean you can't like means you also like you can't prove that it doesn't exist. So therefore, like it's a valid concern. Yeah, is like that's... this. You know what I mean? And it's like I keep up with like some like the Alex Jones like you know craziness, and so that's yeah. a big. Big. I just think it's entertaining. It's a big thing. Like I think I think at the end of the day, like people don't have time to do their own re- like a lot of yeah. like for example, like people in my neighborhood will come up to me and they'll be like, "Ashley, what is going on with critical race theory?" Right? Like in my yard. Like <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> well it was that in defund the police." So like I had a neighbor come like just devastated like in my yard and uh was like asking like they want to defund the police and i was like i was like first of all i won't say their name um but you know we know each other really really well Mm -hmm. and we have like very similar backgrounds and i was like okay in this situation particularly imagine if you had a social worker and a counselor show up and help you in that moment that we know we both Mm -hmm. know about and i've experienced too like imagine that is what the response was and she was like oh yeah absolutely because she's and then she starts popping off like that was some bullshit like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like yeah so when you explain it to people like in a practical way they're like oh that's it like but a lot of times they don't have time to go do the research so they re- rely yeah. on people on the radio like i mean i listen to 1090 i listen to everybody because mm-hmm. i'm just nosy yeah and you I know listen to like wbal like yeah. drive time mm-hmm. and it kind of i mean it drives me nuts but it's also yeah know. me me and my husband both listen to it and he'll just be like did you hear what they said <laughs> or it's just like you know sometimes there's little it's not like i agree with them but sometimes it's like they're speaking to the same things that we're speaking to but their their way of getting there is different and that's yeah no it it really is just like good what up we got like 10 minutes left <laughs> sick on on this one. if you go, if you want to stay later oh yeah yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's up yeah. to you. You, you. you have more things going on tonight than we do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't have, yeah. But yeah, so um, I guess now for the last like little bit I of this. I am a rant machine. Oh, no, way. it's, it's it has been very fun and very good <laughs> conversation for sure. But we did get you on, like we wanted to talk about the abortion stuff because you are involved in the Baltimore Abortion Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, you had already done Kevin's stream where you spoke on that. Yeah. Um, and we had touched on that. And just to that. be clear, like I'm not speaking for Baltimore. Oh, no. Right. Yeah. I would, yeah, of course. That, I would yeah. hope that people wouldn't think that you're, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. our organization, like it's- Doesn't it's, work that way. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like we're very like tight and, you know, when, when we give out statements and stuff it's yeah. as a collective yeah do you want to like lightning round like just yeah, kind of yeah. like say what the the baltimore abortion fund is and how people can help during these times and then we can do some some housing stuff and then 
have yeah, a more yeah. awesome. less structured thing on the other side of the yeah, yeah so abortion funds like i'm pretty new to abortion funds like i said i had like a personal experience and mm-hmm. stuff and so you know i went ahead and like shared like my own connection to like abortion and then i found out about abortion funds and i was like what is that and so basically it like fills the gaps in like where people are trying to access abortions and whether it's like travel or like money whether they're insured or whatever like abortion funds really make it possible for people to access care Mm -hmm. um and you know like baltimore abortion fund specifically like they have people that help coordinate things and they're just amazing and it's also like an amazing community like the people in baltimore that like really rally around it and help normalize conversations about abortion and and just us showing up and being in community publicly like i think that's like one of the most amazing things that I've seen mm-hmm. is like the artists that are pouring like designs into it and, you know, doing fundraisers and, and it's just so much like joy in the space. Like, especially our prom, our prom was so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. And so how can, how can people help um, if, if they wanted to help the Baltimore abortion fund? Yeah. If they want to help, I would definitely like, it's always helpful to like sign up to be a volunteer. Um, Cause there's always like different ways to volunteer and we have, uh, we have staff now. So a lot oh, of the awesome. staff like coordinate all that. Um, and they're really like building out the mm-hmm. fund and they're amazing people that we've hired. Like, I think they're just, they couldn't be any better. Um, but yeah, donating is amazing. You know, we have people that like, create crafts and things and like auctions and kind of like make I, I think it's two things it's definitely the funding but also people just being public about it and normalizing the conversations about it because for folks that have had an abortion or will have an abortion like taking away that stigma i think is really important for sure yeah so i just yeah i'm just very grateful to even be in community with these folks yeah no it sounds pretty awesome that sounds fucking sick yeah (laughs) (laughs) so um i want let's touch quickly um just because of a time thing but um just like what what's going on with your run for the board of education so that's it's really random because like i said i did not want to run for anything ever like people would ask (laughs) me and i'd be like no never (laughs) like i hate i hate like i like politics like being involved with political shenanigans but i did not want to be the person Mm -hmm. um and so basically what happened was is i'm a part of a group called the votes coalition voices towards an elected school board Cool. And so we've been working with Jill Carter and Delegate Wells, like working on democratizing the board, but also moving towards an elected board. Um, and so basically, like we meet all the time, like every week we have discussions, we work on policy together. Last year we failed. Like, I mean, our bill got pulled. It didn't even make it through, like, anything. Um, did and, did it, Franca go to that hearing? Was that one of the ones that? Um, I don't think so. Franco participate. I seem to remember she was involved in something in Annapolis involving some school stuff. It might have been oh, like Somo it might, showed yeah. up or something. I think I think mm. that was something else. Yeah, because okay. our our bill got snatched in the in the <laughs> middle of the night. <laughs> like, you know, because basically what happened was is is some folks don't want an elected school board because right. you know for various reasons. Um, right now I feel like the culture in the school board is like you know it's a a lot of very qualified folks. They feel very like 
honored to be there and stuff, but but there's also this disconnect from the community. I think because they're appointed, you know what I mean? Like they mm. don't have to the community doesn't put them there. Right. So as a result, because they the nature of a campaign forces you to connect with the community to get votes. Uh, and have conversations and find out what their issues are and things. So the nature of a campaign actually helps bring the community perspective to the board, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm in favor of a fully elected board, but us all also staying awake and paying attention (laughs) so that we don't get like a bunch of like bums on the school board. (laughs) That's part of the risk is you're going to get a lot of, you got to roll the dice. Yeah. A lot of people who have a lot of time on money on their hands and have very specific agendas. But honestly, like this group that's running for the school board is not that really not Mm. at all. Not at all. Like I think, I think I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of this group, this first like cohort, because we are setting a tone that it is not that not a political Mm-mm. no not, not a, at all like really I, I mean it's very qualified people it's people that have been doing work in community and doing work around getting an elected school board mm-hmm. so there are folks that are from all different parts of the city fun fundraising wise i think that we're all probably like nobody's bankrolling this thing i know that. <laughs> 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 yeah so i i think that the representation in this first group is if we if we do not get messy <laughs> and we keep it cordial and like doing what we've been doing, which is like we're all in communication with each other, mm-hmm. I think that we set a very good like blueprint for like future school board races in Baltimore City. Okay. It'd be nice to set some like nice precedent. You yeah, know? yeah. It's just it's just not I mean, of course people are excited. They're like, oh, this is the first one. If I get elected, I'll be the first. Like <laughs> there's a little bit of that, but <laughs> oh, not... why wouldn't there be? I mean, but that just makes it a little fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm like I'm not really competitive. But I'm, don't I'm deny really yourself not. that very simple pleasure. Like that would be yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. In the moment, like I think I would probably like start crying like a little punk <laughs> but <laughs> but i i'm also like not that competitive like i'm yeah. probably the laziest candidate in the history of ever like i'm like how can we do this for my living room <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's yeah. a vibe though so what are you running on i guess oh, okay. like you know uh, like uh what's your not your i don't need your stump speech but you know what i mean like yeah well i mean it's kind of probably gonna be my stump speech, okay go ahead but i'm not stump on not good yeah. <laughs> you're, my stump speech changes every time i give it practice your stump speech yeah <laughs> it's so, just an improv yeah <laughs> just yes ending the whole thing yeah, Free <laughs> yeah. it's like dropping beats like this stump speech. No, um so, like, when we were buying a house, when we were, we knew we wanted to live in Baltimore, like, we were living in Linthicum, and we are like, ew. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, we knew we wanted to live in in Baltimore, and we had visited, like, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, and they lived in Violetville. And we came oh, nice. over. Yeah, we came that's over. That's near where I grew up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Relay. Oh, snap. That's, like, right around the corner. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we came over there for Halloween, and there were so many kids. And I am obsessed with yes. Halloween because I never Halloween got to do Halloween. Halloween in those parts. Because the houses are so close together. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. The streets are, like, packed. Like, it's <laughs> insane. And I never got to do Halloween growing up. So mm. when I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, if we buy a house here, we could do the most ridiculous Halloweens every year and hand out candy. And we have been. <laughs> <Sick>. <laughs> and we also knew we wanted kids, so... The where our house is, the school's a block up, 
Oh, cool. Yeah, so that was part of the deciding factor, like many families, when they're looking for neighborhoods to buy homes. Like, if there's a school in the neighborhood, a community school, that is a big selling point. And so I kind of got involved because I saw, like, some schools closing permanently, and I was like, oh, this is not good. We have a smaller school. I know that our school was told to increase their enrollment numbers, and they had kindergarten classrooms that were already 30 kids. Nope. Yeah. It was was a whole hot mess. I was like, something is, like, whack, right? And so I started getting involved, got involved with the Votes Coalition, and... Like, it just felt right. It felt right being involved. I had done some stuff on a university level, um, like with some, like Maryland Higher Education Commission as a student member. Oh, cool. And was an advocate for my school. And part of the reason why I was an advocate is because when I was in college, I just graduated last year. Congratulations. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> when I graduated from high school, I graduated with a 1.4 GPA for four years of high school. Hmm. And it happens. And I had to go to night school just to get that good GPA. <laughs> <laughs> and what I didn't know until way later, after flunking out of four other colleges and finishing this degree recently, I got diagnosed with learning disabilities. Mm. So I late gone, in life. Yeah, four years ago. Wow. So I went my whole life not knowing. I knew I didn't read very well, and like people would laugh at me and stuff in high Fuck school. That. That's yeah. so and, fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like in high school, because I think mm-hmm. that they thought I was playing and I would like, I was either a class clown or I would pop off and be ready to punch somebody. And me, and, vibe. yeah, my <laughs> sister's also had like, my sister has learning differences too. And we compared notes and come to find out we both were like struggling with ADHD and dyslexia. So, mm. yeah, I was going to say, I, I, you know, cause you haven't said previously what you have, but it's like, I just like, imagine like being dyslexic, but everyone just like thinks you're the class clown. Like right. that yeah. it sounds just like exhausting. Well, it was, it was really sad too, because I was also in foster care at the time. Oh. So I was living in a group home. I had some like trauma, mm-hmm. like I'm not going to like get too deep into like my family situation, but you know, my family went through a lot of mess, but you know, it's not anybody's fault. Like I, I just, come from a situation where there's a lot of generational trauma Mm -hmm. and you know it can it can happen to anybody and i don't necessarily like think that foster care is the way to go sometimes but in in some cases it is it is what it is so i was living in a group home dealing with that yeah and fortunately for me i went to a school that had a free school-based wellness center so i had a lot of outbursts i had ptsd Mm -hmm. i had what I know now is selective mutism. So, well, when I would get really, really overwhelmed, I would just stop talking. Mm. Oh yeah. And I had crippling social anxiety. Mm. So as a result, when I would get overwhelmed, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't go like in the group home. I would be around all these folks. Yeah. And so I would like, you know, I remember in high school, they actually broke me out of a bathroom stall Cause I was like denning the walls and stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. Cause I was just pissed. Like yeah. I was just pissed. <laughs> yeah. I feel it. Yeah. No. I... And you know, I could, instead of like, you know, being arrested or being suspended and stuff, my school was just very, I guess, forward thinking and I could go to therapy. And that was like, that normalized therapy for me at an earlier age. And also I had an art teacher who at, accidentally put me through like art therapy and so those things together and my experience and and coming out of that and it really makes me like resonate with kids in baltimore city Mm -hmm. especially the ones that are you know being criminalized and 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 the ones that are going to a quote-unquote bad school 
where bad things happen and not getting the same quality education and stuff. And I was just like, I can do something because I can literally speak <laughs> yeah. to their experience. Like I have a adverse childhood experience score of seven out of 10. And oh, geez. I'm mm. guessing that if we, if us as a city could prevent a lot of these kids from having high ACE scores or helping deal with some of those issues because we have them eight hours a day or whatever. Right. So we have as much access to them as we do their own families. And, mm -hmm. you know, the other part, other third is them sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just think that if we don't do anything, if we just push them through year after year, seeing that we have a citywide trauma and do nothing, then we're, we we are creating our own issues. Yeah. yeah. We are just perpetuating the cycle of yeah. right. And so I'm not coming into the race as somebody with like, you know, an educator or, you know, having an expertise in like education, but what I have is lived experience in community organizing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So compare like putting those two things together, community engagement, because I believe that the people can speak for themselves right. if you give them the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that we can heal these kids and their families like not just because the the baltimore city public schools always says that they have a whole child approach and i want to move them to a whole family approach hmm. where they okay. really do have resources in every school for the whole family i mean yeah that's yeah <laughs> that would probably definitely solve not solve help yeah a lot of the issues it's one of those so, things like why aren't we already doing that type of thing yeah like. <laughs> <laughs> and i and i actually shadowed at a school and i think coming into it because of where i'm at now they're mm -hmm. like who are you what are <laughs> you know like you're coming in here and just the, like getting grilled like you're joining dsa again oh god <laughs> but i told them my story and they were just like oh snap and there was actually another foster care youth that i connected with and you know immediately the the, the tone changed. So imagine being a kid dealing with some serious mess because you're usually the most impacted by policy, mm -hmm. negatively impacted. So imagine having somebody on the school board that will protect you and look at that policy through that lens. Right. Yeah. No, that would be very beneficial to have for sure helping out the kids and, and being a part of that board. So actually yeah. being an advocate for them in the whole process. Yeah. So how does it work? Is it, with the school board, is that the whole city votes or is it a district? Whole thing? city. So the whole city. Yeah. And how many spots are there going Two to? Two seats. And how many people are running? Eight. Okay. Well, those are you those aren't the worst odds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those definitely aren't the worst and odds. And I and I have another candidate who I if I don't get elected, I would throw all my support behind her. Being. Well, maybe two. But but one specific like so Salima Jasani is mm -hmm. actually somebody that's in a special education specialist. Mm -hmm. Like that is her like she was a special education teacher at Digital Harbor. Mm. Um but also in her day job, like she helps other school boards get their crap together. It's awesome. So she's doing that across the country other places imagine if she could do that here mm -hmm. so us together because she actually values like my perspective which is interesting because mm -hmm. you would assume that somebody that's like you know from that academic space where it would like make sense for you to be a board member yeah would a lot of times people are they dismiss people like me they're like oh you don't know how to like navigate and you don't know policy <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes i do it happened to me <laughs> but she's she's somebody that's like yeah like you and me like our our collective like 
experience like makes for a super strong thing where we can actually like make sure that we don't feed the school to prison pipeline. Right. Yeah. Jesus, please just <laughs> sever that. Yeah. You know? And who's the other person? Uh April Curley is another one that mm-hmm. I really like. Yeah. Okay. Well that's the third option. Really honestly, like. really all of them it's are like poker good. odds. I like it. I like yeah. It. yeah. Rank rank choice voting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if it was ranked choice for I would have such a hard time ranking them. Like all of them. Because I, I do honestly believe that like anybody that's in the race is like yeah that's i, I think everybody's nice coming into it with good yeah faith. it's really nice to hear honestly yeah. that like that's some hopium kind of no matter what we get it's going to be good i mean i do potentially have, i do have concerns about one candidate but i'll keep that talk shit behind the paywall on them yeah <laughs> <laughs> um all right so we should wrap there so will you do any final plugs for any of your stuff you're involved with the yeah. abortion fund the your personal stuff any any and everything and then yeah if you just wanna... send me links and i'll put them in the show okay. notes yeah, yeah yeah uh yeah if people want to find out more visit ashleyesposito.com look at you with your own website nice. yeah i built it myself really Ooh. yeah that's sick and actually that's somebody t- and it also has an accessibility feature so you can change my website to accommodate colorblindness Ooh, adhd dyslexia and a few other i need to make the leap on that yeah i didn't know that was a thing yeah that's yeah. sick that's really cool. yeah so it's it's actually like an ad add-on oh. so it's another company and you just add the widget and then people can oh so you don't even have to code all that yourself mm-hmm. no, no, okay no. sweet oh yeah. heck no i don't have the time like i mean i could probably <laughs> do it because that's my background software development but right that's a vibe yeah yeah I don't have the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's yeah. great but hell yeah so obviously you know good luck with everything and we hope to hear more from you in the future and all that. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Yes. Thank now you your time is very valuable because you do so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah.